Masechet Ketubot, Daf Mem, we begin with the new Mishnah, Yetomash, Nit Adesa, Venit Gadesha, Rebi El Azar, Omer Haones Hayav, Vehamfate Patur. A girl, Naara, who is an orphan, who also uh, was betrothed and divorced. We're going to see that actually we don't need both of these categories. This is a either or. If she is an orphan, her father died, or even if she has a father, if she was uh, betrothed and divorced, the law would be the same. As we'll explain, Abiel Azar says that the rapist does have to pay a fine, but the seducer does not have to pay a fine. Let's explain the Yatoma. If she was, in fact, an orphan without a father, so the rapist still has to pay the fine, just the fine doesn't go to the father because he's not around. But rather, the fine goes to her directly. Fine. Now, if it's a seducer, well, since if there's a father around, then the seducer has to pay the father. If there's no father around to claim it, then she doesn't get it because she agreed. And with her consent, her giving consent is the same as her foregoing the right to a fine. And anybody can forego uh, uh, their right to a monetary obligation. And therefore, since there is no father around, the uh, seducer does not have to pay any fine uh, to not to the father who's not around and not to her. Okay, that's the case of orphan. Gemara is going to show that the same would be a case of someone who has a father, but who's engaged and now divorced, uh, where because she was engaged and now divorced, she is now independent. And as an independent woman, same thing, uh, she would collect the fine from a rapist, but uh, she can give her consent for um, the, uh, her consent is good enough that it would be the same as foregoing the fine and doesn't go to the father. So let's see. So Rabbi Yochanan explains that Rabbi Al-Azad, this is Rabbi Al-Azad ben Shamua, who is a student of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is a third generation Tana. Rabbi Al-Azad ben Shamua is one of his main five students in the fourth generation. And the Yochanan is pointing out that they actually agree with each other. That's his teacher. Da'amar. After all, Rabbi Akiva said, this is in the Mishnah back on Dafla Medchet, we saw that Rabbi Akiva said, Yesh la knas uknasa le'atzma. In the very same case of a na'ara who was betrothed and divorced, in that case, she keeps the knas. Once she goes through the process of being engaged and divorced, she gains independence, independence even though she's still a na'ara, uh, to the effect that she gets the kanas. Uh, so this is the same thing, uh, the same, same principle. Since she gets the kanas, if she is, is uh, raped after she's divorced, so too the seducer uh, would have to pay a kanas to the father in a normal case, but in this case, it goes. It would go to her since she agreed. So that's the same as she or her foregoing the kenas. Okay. So now, uh, so that's Rabbi Yochanan saying. Okay. We ask Mimai mitiketane yetomar Rabbi Elazar Omer haones chayav fateh patur. How do you know that you should read this case independently? Not that she's an orphan and also she betrothed and got divorced, but that it would apply even if she was not an orphan and she betrothed and got divorced here. Because it says orphan. And Abila says, says regarding the case of a girl who's an orphan that uh, the rapist has to pay and the seducer does not have to pay the fine. Now we say, Yetoma Peshita, isn't that obvious? Um, that he would, there would be no 
uh, payment in the case of seducer. After all, there is no father to pay it to, and she says she was okay with it. So you don't even have to say the case of yetoma. Rather, it must be that saying yetoma here to tell us that yetoma, who is like a uh, someone who has a father who was engaged in divorce, have the same law. Just like a girl who's an orphan, she keeps the fine. So too, uh, if she was divorced, uh, divorced, she also keeps the fine. That would be a case in rape, both of the in case of rapist. And therefore, in the case of seduction as well, that is the same as for she foregoes her the right to the fine, and so there he doesn't have to pay anything. Okay, this whole long list in the name of Rav says Halacha is in fact like Rabbi Alazar. Rabbi Alazar stam without any uh, added name. Uh, who's a Tana is always going to be Rabbi Alazar Ben Shamua. This our fourth generation Tana. And Rav said about him, he's the happiest of all sages because here the halacha follows him here. In many other cases, also the halacha follows him. And so a person's always happy if the, uh, his opinion turns out to be the one that is, uh, that is followed, the halacha. Good. Now, we mentioned before that, uh, the, that uh, the rapist seducer has to pay not only a fine, but also has to pay for humiliation, boshet, and pagam for degradation. Now we're going to define what those are in this Mishnah. Ezehu boshet. How do you assess what the humiliation is? Well, it's subjective. It depends on uh, the, both who's doing the, the crime and the victim. If the victim is a princess, then her humiliation is going to be much more than if she's of a common commoner class. Um, that would be true, you know, if someone got injured or insulted, or uh, in this case, we're talking about raped. And mevaye, uh, not insult, if any time there's an injury, and the, uh, the embarrassment part of the in- injury is more if she's a higher stat, if the victim is a higher status. Now, the Mivayesh also, who's perpetrating the crime? Uh, generally, if uh, the the perpetrator is a similar status as the victim, then the humiliation is less than, than, than if there is a wide gap between the class status of the one uh, doing, in this case, the rape and the victim. So therefore, you have to assess each case on its own to see what would be the amount that we can a dollar amount that we can put on the uh, level of humiliation. Good. And regarding the uh, degradation, uh, that would be the amount that a person is worth on the slave market. So if we would sell this Nara as a maidservant uh, beforehand when she had her bitulim and she was not raped and how much she is worth now that this uh, rapist uh, or seducer uh, violated her and what would be the difference in her market value, 
that's one of the things that our pay the Gemara will discuss why her losing her bitulim would have any effect on her market value. We understand it has a uh, uh, um, has an effect on her marriage ability, and that's what the whole fine is for. Because now we, uh, people, she will be less marriageable. People are going to pay in the ketubah the amount not of a bitula, not for a bitula, the two hundred, but only the one hundred, like an almana. And so since it'll be hard, harder to marry her off and get the same price, so that's what the fine covers. So that's on the marriage market. But here, in addition to that fine, um, he has to pay how much the difference is on the slave market. This is true, by the way, for all injury. Um, if uh, right, someone cuts off someone's arm, then he has to pay. The di- one of the five things that he has to pay is the difference in amount that, that a person would get on the slave market. Kenas shaveh bechol adam. The fine is the same no matter what. Doesn't matter if the victim is a princess or a low class or who the perpetrator is. It doesn't matter. The fine is always fifty shekel. And that's not only true for this fine, but all fines in the Torah. Anytime it gives some kind of monetary value regarding a person, it doesn't matter what the class status is. That's true for Adachim. If someone donates their worth, um, it doesn't matter what class they're in. The same is true for Pijon Haben. It doesn't matter if this is the uh, uh, this uh, child is the firstborn of a king or firstborn of a commoner. It's always the same amount, which is actually a really important point uh, because in many other legal systems, like in the Hammurabi Code and even Aristotle, uh, they say, well, it depends on if it's a high-class person, a low-class person, you play, pay different amounts. And Torah says, no, everybody is the same. Um, in, in, in regard to fines. Humiliation, we can understand that there, there, there's a, a subjective value in that, but fines doesn't matter. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Now we're going to analyze each aspect. How do you know that you have to pay these three or four different things for the seduction and the rapist? How do you know the Torah says, pay chamishim 50 shekel? Maybe that covers everything. He only has to pay 50 shekel, and that will cover the humiliation and degradation as well. How do you know? Okay, let's ask the question. Now, we're gonna, Rabbi Zerah is going to attempt two answers. This is, that doesn't make sense because just think about the public perception. Would people think that, would it make sense to people that if the rapist raped a princess, he pays 50? And if he rapes a commoner, also it would be 50? But the degradation, the humiliation is completely different. So certainly there has to be a difference in difference in amount. So it's just logical that there would have to be another element besides the fine. Yeah, the fine is equal for everybody, but there has to be an element of humiliation that would be different. So just logically, logically, it can't be, the Bezera says. But Abaye rejects the Bezera's challenge. So people would say, uh, uh, also, regarding the value of a slave, uh, people will think that there should be a difference in uh, depending on what the slave does. Now, here's background. The actual Torah law regarding a slave is If someone's ox goes and gores and kills 
a slave or maidservant, then he has to pay 30 shekalim and the ox dies. But the law is the same across the board. You pay 30 shekel no matter what is the val no matter what the value of the slave is. Uh, so that is the law. And by your logic, Rabbi Zera, you're thinking about the common perception. The common perception would be that, oh, it can't be that if they have a slave who works on pearls, they have very high, highly skilled uh, slave that whose, whose skill is very valuable, that they get 30. And a slave that makes needles, which is a very common lowly task and not worth much, also would get 30. Um, but in fact, that is the law. Yes, so uh, even though people perceive things differently and say, well, there should be a difference between a more valuable slave and less valuable slave in terms of their, what they do, there should be a difference between uh, the rape of a princess and a commoner uh, because of their humiliation. But the law is not that way in either case. So, yes, it could be that the standard amount of 50 shekel will cover all cases. So, Rabbi Zerah, your argument of what people think is really not valid, uh, says Abaye. So, Rabbi Zerah can fix his uh, his language a little bit. Still won't work, but uh, so Bizera uh, is going to give another example. Okay, it's not really clear here uh, here exactly what the case is. The Shonim have some different variations on it, but we'll try to keep it simple. Uh, let's say we're talking about one woman, and uh, just switch the order of the verbs here. Um, the first one is Ba'alea unnatural intercourse. And we're going to follow Hirushalmi that says that the rate, this rapist pays the, the Na'ara, with whom he had unnatural intercourse, 50 shekel. Um, okay, so now he paid. Now, afterwards, someone comes and has be out with her, rapes her, kedarka, in the normal, a normal intercourse. And he would also pay 50 shekel. We're constructing a case this way because we want to think of a case where the woman receives two fines. Normally, if it's regular intercourse, only the first one uh, would have to pay. Then she's not a betula anymore, so the second one wouldn't have to pay. But here, because the first one was sheloka darka, she's still a betula, and the second one also has to pay. So in this case where you have two people and they're both paying, hold on, ba'al shelema hamishim, ba'al peguma hamishim, should both of them pay the same amount regarding, regarding humiliation? Her humiliation is, where, is what we're assuming psychologically is that the humiliation from the first one would be greater. Whereas once she already uh, experienced humiliation of being raped the first time, the second time is also humiliating, but less humiliating uh, psychologically, emotionally. And so people will say, wait a second, should it be the same? It doesn't make sense. It should be the same. So therefore, there has to be another element besides the 50 shekel of humiliation that will depend on a case-by-case -case basis. So in this formulation, it's not based on her class of being a princess or not, but rather something uh, integral to her, uh, to her status. Um, to her uh, state, uh, uh, rather, her internal state. 
Um, and so uh, this uh, can't be, right? this would make less sense even than the first one. So Abaye says, no, this logic also, he rejects Abaye. In the case of slaves, when the ox gores one, does it make any difference? Well, it doesn't make any, doesn't make any difference whether it's healthy or sick, but in people's minds, it should, be, it should make a difference. If the ox gored a healthy slave, 30, and people will say, well, what if it had boils and the slave was sick? Then the payment should be less. Yet the Torah says it is in fact the same, and there is no other payment in regarding regarding slaves. So the comparison here is two things that are within the state. It's not just what the slave does, or that the one that the girl is a princess or not, but rather the internal state of the slave being healthy or sick, parallel to the woman being uh, uh, pure, untainted. And the second, for the second person, already piguma, already tainted, where the humiliation is different. And yet, we don't make a difference regarding a slave. And therefore, logically, we would not need to make any difference regarding the, the victim of the rape either. And so therefore, Ribizadah's challenges are, uh, Ribizadah's answers to the question are not rejected. And so we go back to the original question. How do you know that there's an additional payment besides the fine uh, of humiliation and degradation? Maybe the Torah says 50 shekel, and that's it. And there's no other payment. And now we're going to have an answer. It's, I mean, Ribizadah presumably kept his answer, but Abaye rejected it, so Abaye has his own answer. Ela amar Abaye. You have to pay 50 shekel instead of or because of the inui, because of the violation of her. Which means the 50 shekel is the payment only for strictly the act of violating her and taking away her bitulim. But there is also other payments that will be her humiliation and degradation on the slave market, which is beyond just the act of, uh, of um, rape or seduction by itself. Okay, uh, so that's how we know the word tachat, the kind of extra word tachat, limits the fine. Uh, to cover not everything that she is owed. Uh, Rava learns it from another different um, set of uh, extra words. It says, You could have just said, The man will give, they will pay. Which man? Of course the violator. I don't know if you don't have to tell me that it's the man who slept with her. Isn't that obvious that he's going to pay? No one else is going to have to pay. So it adds these words to teach that Hana'at Shechiva, he's paying for the pleasure that he got from being with her. That is 50 shekel that he has to pay. But in addition to that, there's also her humiliation and degradation that he will also have to pay. boshet upegam. Okay, so now we've established that there doesn't have, there does have to be, in fact, multiple payments, the 50 shekel plus the other two for a seducer and three for the uh, rapist for the in the case of rape he has to pay also for her pain sa'ad um, but now our next question is how do you know that it goes to the father N- not the fine the fine goes to the father the pasuk says so but what about um what about the other the the payment of the um uh, humiliation and degradation maybe that should go to her 
who said that that should go to the father? So We're going to learn it from the pasuk that the context of the pasuk is regarding the father's ability to annul a, a his daughter's vows. And so it says, when can he annul her vows? When she is a na'ara, bet avia, and she's living with the father, so the father has authority. And so we can expand from, from that, that any uh, prophets that the girl has goes to the father. And this is a kind of a prophet, right? The, this is money that she deserves. It's a, a payment to her. But the father is in charge of everything, of uh, everything in her life, and therefore it goes to the father. That's how we learn it. We reject this derivation. Uh, Rav asked, how do you know that the work that a daughter, a na'ara, daughter does, goes to the father, right? If she produces some garments or whatever, that, that she sells it, the money goes to the father. Um, because uh, the different pasuk says that if a man sells his daughter off as a maidservant, a father has a right, you know, he's very poor, can't make ends meet, so he may sell his, fa- his, his daughter off as a maidservant. Now, what's the status of a maidservant? Anything a maidservant does, goes to the master. The master owns all of her work. Uh, so too, since the father has a right to sell his daughter into sl- as a maidservant, so too, even if she's not a maidservant, he has a right to all uh, everything she works. Um, okay, so, that, so that's, that's how we know. Now, um, uh, now we ask, why, why can't you learn that from Neoreha Bet Aviha? Right? We just saw that Pasuk says, as long as she's a Na'ara, she's in her father's house, the father has authority over her. So why don't we learn from there this very law that all of her work goes to the father? So, no. We, the reason we, we don't learn it from there is because that Benureha Bet Aviha is in the context of nullifying her vows. And so it only refers to nullifying the vows. The father has authority to nullify the vows of uh, of his daughter, but doesn't say anything about her monetary authority, and that's why we need a separate pasuk to teach maase yadeha um, that her work goes to the father. So what are we left with now? Actually, we are left with no derivation that the father should get the the boshet and pegam uh, because that's uh, it's not nedarim, right? This has nothing to do with her vows, and this is also not work that she did. Work that she does, like a maidservant, yeah, yeah, yeah. If she does work, the father would get it. But this is not work, but rather this is just a fine that's coming to her. Um, uh, on, on account of humiliation, degradation that she experienced. And so right now we don't have any source that the father should get it. Um, maybe she should get it herself. Okay, so let's try again. Maybe we should learn from vows. Uh, just like the father's in charge of the or daughter's vows, so too he should also get the fine. Uh, not the fine. Rather, so too he should get the amount of her, her humiliation. No, you can't compare prohibitions 
uh, which is vows, has to do with prohibitions, to monetary. Prohibitions are a different and more stringent category, so you can't learn it from there. So let's learn it from the fine. Just like the father gets the fine, that's a monetary thing. So too, the father will also get the humiliation degradation. No, These are two different categories of money. When one is talking about compensation, um, uh, that uh, uh, that the father um, uh, would get. Uh, sorry, one's talking about a fine, and a fine is over and above regular compensation in lots of cases. And so, therefore, yes, while the Torah says the father gets the fine, doesn't necessarily mean that he gets the compensation. We can't learn one from the other. Ella, so rather we reject all these proofs and comparisons we had before. Rather, it's basic, just uh, basic logic um, that after all, the father, if he wanted to, he can marry off his daughter, right? As a ketana or as a na'ara, he has a right to marry off his daughter to whoever he wants. And if he wanted, whatever reason, I don't know why he would do this, but he could marry off his daughter to a man who's repulsive. Like if he has boy or he's disgusting in some way. And that would certainly be humiliating to her. She would experience humiliation, but the father has a right to do that. Since the father has a right to put his daughter in a situation of humiliation, therefore, it just it makes sense that if his daughter is humiliated, the father would get the money. And so that's why, that's how we know that the father gets, in the case that the, the, the nada is raped, the father gets the fine and the other payments. Okay, now, Pegam. Mishnah mentioned that the degradation is based on we look at her amount on the slave market before she was raped and after or before she was seduced and after. So how do we uh, assess this value? So we make an estimation how much would a person pay to have a maidservant who is a betula or versus one who is a be'ula to uh, serve him. We ask, why does a person care if his maidservant is a betula or a be'ula? What is she going to do laundry? She's going to make coffee? Well, who cares? Right? It makes no difference, so her value should not change based on that. So rather, no, it would make a difference because the owner may want to acquire a maidservant to marry her off to his slave. He has a male slave and he wants the slave to uh, bear children for him uh, that he also he would own and so he wants to give her uh, he wants to give his men his 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 slave um, a, 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 a woman um, to be with so uh, that's why it makes a difference if she's a bitula or beula here also we ask still what's the difference so he what's the difference if she's a bitula or not he's just giving it to her slave to his slave and the answer is we're talking about a slave that the master likes the master is satisfied with the work of a slave and he wants the slave to be happy and in general uh, the guy would prefer to to have uh, as a wife a betula rather than a beula, and so there is a difference in the price he would pay for the maid servant if she's a betula. He would pay a little more than a beula, and so that is the amount that the rapist and seducer would have to pay in addition to the other payments 
that's uh, the, the difference in estimation of her market value. All right, and next Mishnah. Kol makom sheyesh mechet en kenas. Vachol makom sheyesh kenas en mechet. We've actually seen this Mishnah above, and it teaches that any time that a father has a right to sell his daughter uh, into slavery, this is, this is talking about a ketana. A father has a right to sell, uh, sell her while she's a ketana until 12. So until 12, and kenas, if she is raped but, but before she's 12, the man does not pay a fine. The fine, this, this law of paying a fine only applies to na'ara, 12 to 12 and a half. And flip side, koma kom shiesh kenas, en mechid, any time that there is a fine, which means na'ara, 12 to 12 and a half, en mechid, the father does not have a right to sell his na'ara into slavery. Okay, so they're mutually exclusive. In other words, right? There's not case. There's nada until twelve. Slay, yes, yes, sell, but no fine. And then twelve to twelve and a half. Yes, fine, but no selling. Ketana yesh la mechel ve'en la kenas. When she's young, when she's a ketana, yes, he can sell her. The father can sell her, but he doesn't collect the fine. Nada yesh la kenas ve'en la mechel. When she's a nada, he collects the he like he collects the fine. He cannot sell her. Ve'abogedet and la lo mechel ve'lo kenas. Once she's passes twelve and a half, she is an adult, and then neither of these laws apply. The father does not have a right to sell her, nor does he collect the fine. There's uh, uh, no fine in that case. Okay. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav. This whole Mishnah Rav explains is only the opinion of Rabbi Meir. While she's a ketana and can be sold, also the fine applies. So according to Chachamim, the the man the the rapist has to pay the victim the whole time until from ketana and naara. The tanya ketana mivat yom echad v'al shetabi shetesarot yesh la mecher ve'en la kenas v'shetabi shetesarot al shetibti bager yesh la kenas ve'en la mecher debre rebi meir. So the first opinion is by Tazar of Meir, who says. That from a time that a girl is one day old until two hairs, that's around 12, that's called ketana, she can be sold, but there's no fine. But once she has is to two hairs until she becomes an adult, around 12 to 12 and a half, then she has a fine and not cannot be sold. That's the opinion of Bimeir, Shayad Bimeir. And I'm recording a further source that Bimeir said, which is exactly the language of our Mishnah. So you see, our Mishnah is Bimeir. What does Chachamim say? Chachamim Omerim Ketana Mibat Shalosh Shanim V'Yom Echad V'Ad Shetibager Yesh Lakenas Chachamim say the entire time from when she is three years old and one day until she becomes twelve and a half she does receive a fine. Before she's three years old because uh, that, that's not considered a sexual act and the Bitulim would grow back therefore there's no Kenas um, but Chachamim do include child ketana and na'ara in the fine so they cannot be the author of our mishnah okay so now we ask about chachamim hold on kenas in mecher la so that means that when they are a child they get kenas we understand that does that mean that does he, he, the father cannot sell the child into slavery we're assuming that he would have the same principle that we said here that if there is um uh kenas then there's no mecher 
right? Um, uh, uh, the, uh, what there is, and mecher. So, saying uh, there is kanas for ketana. So the father can't sell a ketana, but that's not, it can't be. That can't be true. That's the whole law of the Torah about selling. And uh, by the way, when one sells one's daughter into slavery, it's not as bad as it sounds, although it's pretty bad. Uh, but because the master, once the child, once the girl grows up, the expectation is the master would marry her, or his daughter, his son would marry her. It's kind of like the 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 uh, master is adopting her in a way, taking care of her until she grows up, and then really becoming part of the family in marriage. So, um, okay, anyway, so, so rather, you know, according to Hachamim, you can have both. You can have, in the case of Ketana, both the fine and the father can sell it. How come Rabbi Meir says only one or the other? Since Pasuk says that should a man uh, rape a woman, uh, she becomes his as a wife. So, we, we learned yesterday that the word means that she has to agree to it. And so we uh, add additionally here, the Bimeir is specifying that it's only talking about a Ne'ara who could marry herself off. Once someone's a Ne'ara, she, she has the right to go ahead and marry herself, right, even without the father. So since she can marry herself, she is called Tihiyeh, and uh, that's why the whole fine, this whole law, applies only when she's a Na'ara, and not when she's a Ketana. A Ketana cannot marry herself off. She can only be married off by her father, Medeoraita. Okay, Vedabanan, where did the, the rabbis learn it, learn it from? That even a Ketana does, uh, the fine does apply. Since Pasuk writes the word Na'ara, Chaser, without a hair. So if it was a full na'ara with a hair, then that would be 12, 12 and a half. The missing a hair means a small na'ara, uh, which means even less than a na'ara. So that comes to include na'ara and ketana. Also, the law of the fine of fines applies. Good. Now, Shema'ad Papa Bered Rav Hanan Mebe Kelochit Azal Amaral Kameh Rav Shimi Bar Asher. So the Papa, the son of Rav Hanan, from this place, Be Kelochit, went and told, said, repeated this uh, halacha that Resh Lakish just said, we learn it from the diminutive Na'ara, um, uh, he said it to Rav Shimi Bar Asher. And Rav Shimon Bar Asher said back to him, Atun, aha matnitula. Oh, you learned Resh Lakish as applying to this law here of fines. We also heard Resh Lakish say something similar, but we applied it. We heard that he applied it to a different case of Mosi Shemra. This is a case where uh, the, the night uh, uh, after the wedding, when they consummate, the groom comes and says, Hey, she, I saw no blood. She had no betulim. And you know why? Because she cheated on me after the Kiddushin, and uh, therefore she is an adulteress. And in that case, if it was true, um, she would go and she would get uh, a Sikila. Now, if it turns out that he is lying, the groom is lying, in fact, she was a Bitula, um, and he was just lying to try to get out of his uh, Kitubah payment, then he gets punished and he has to pay a hundred shekel, and he can never divorce her um, after that. 
So that's the law of Mosi Shem Ra. So Resh Akish, he applied he applied his statement to that that the law of Mosi Shem Ra only applies to a Naara, but not a Ketana. Ketana, he would not have to pay this fine. Why? Because it says that Venatenula Abia Naara, that fine of a hundred goes to the father of the Naara, and Naara here is spelled with a he. So since it's spelled with a he. Therefore, it's talking about only someone who is 12, not a ketana. Uh, so you see from here that if it was without a he, then it would be even uh, with, a, the, with a ketana. Okay, so it's the same uh, methodology, but Rashakit, do you say about this one? No, Rav Shimi thinks he applied it originally to this other one. Although you could derive one from the other, which is exactly what we're about to do. So Matkif la Rav Adabarahava. Rav Adabarahava says, hold on, you don't need this derivation that it says full na'ara in order to teach me that only na'ara, not a ketana. I could have figured that out by myself. So the only reason you're applying the law of Mosi Shemra to a na'ara and not a ketana is because it says a he, but if not, otherwise you would have applied it even to a ketana. Can't be. The pasuk goes on and says that if it's true, what his claim is, the Megrum's claim, that in fact she doesn't have betulim and she committed adultery between the kiddushin and the nisuin, then they take her out in front of her father's house and stone her. Now, what kind of case would she get capital punishment? Uktana labat onoshinhi. If it's a ketana, a ketana doesn't get punished, right? Minors are not responsible for their actions. They wouldn't get punished. So rather, you can tell from the context that can't be talking about a ketana elakan ne'ara. So, uh, so for sure it's talking about na'ara. Therefore, he says, I don't need the extra letter he to teach me na'ara, not ketana. So, why is there this extra letter? So, rather, you know why it has it here? So, we could derive from this case to other cases. Since in this case, we know just logically from the context that it applies to a na'ara, not a ketana. So, it comes and writes here, na'ara, with a he, so that we can infer that when it has a, a he, then it's talking about nada only. If it does not have a he, like in the case of rapist, then that's, that means even if she is a ketana. And that's the derivation of Chachamim against Rabbi Meir to say that the law of the fine, uh, the, the fines for a rapist and seducer apply not only to a nada, but also to a ketana. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen.